that be better? Yeah, sorry about that, y'all. So, uh, Rusty, apparently, on getting back in. I apologize. Uh, so, uh, but no, man, thanks for letting me take vacation for a couple of weeks. It was incredibly refreshing. I've had a lot of people ask me if it was good. I'm like, yes, yes, it was. It was very wonderful. Uh, and thank you for helping uh, Drew to have a phenomenal food truck weekend. Today was our, uh, this weekend was kind of a, uh, a trial run, kind of a let's get the feet wet and let's see how it goes. And uh, it went really, really, really well. Had to shut down. Ran out of food both days. Had to shut down an hour early both days. Uh, because literally there were so many folks that were coming through. I think we did something close to 100 meals a day, uh, which is 
a lot, <laughs> by the way. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so it was really, really great. So thank you for all of that. Today we're starting a new series on the book of Matthew, uh, and I'm going to explain that a little bit further in the sermon. Uh, yes, yes, I know we did Matthew like, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, but it doesn't feel like a year and a half ago. It feels like a decade ago. So let's just, uh, but it will, it, we're going to take a look at perspective, not from 20,000 feet this time. We're going to look at it from a different perspective of hope. And so today uh, we will begin that journey uh, that will lead us quite literally right up until Advent. So, uh, so let's get our hearts and our minds open and ready for uh, God to be using uh, literally the, the gospel to be working in our lives. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, a phenomenal break. God, thank you for a church that gives me the ability to take a few weeks off to be replenished and refreshed. Uh, and so God, I pray that this morning as we get to hear your word, uh, as we get to hear songs, Lord, I pray uh, and we sing along and we worship that, God, that you are filling this space and you are filling all the interwebs that are around us that we are running through right now. So, Lord, be in every home uh, that is worshiping with us, whether it's today, whether it's tonight, whether it's later in the week, be within every single home. Uh, let your presence be strong in your name, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, guys, uh, before we get started in worship, I just want to thank you guys so much for your continual giving throughout all this time being in the house churches, being in person, and all the stuff that we've done. Thank you for your continual faithful giving. I um, just want to remind y'all, giving online is cool. Uh, go to the website. You can text to the number 84321, and then you can always mail mail your check in to 56 Vaughn Lane, Olive Branch, Mississippi. just want to make sure that we thank you guys so much for the faithful giving before we start worship. So the first song we're going to do, huh? And website. Yes, make sure you get, yes. All right, here we go. So we're going to start worship now with all the people said amen. You are not alone if you are lonely when you feel afraid. Blessed are the people hungry for another star. 
thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. And all the people said amen. And all the people said amen. So the next song we're going to do for the people at home, make sure we're looking the lyrics up as worship is leading me to the cross. And throughout the Gospel of Matthew and all the Gospels, that's ultimately the goal for just leading us to the cross, getting to the cross. And that we recognize that Jesus was, he gives us the hope because um, he was both human and deity. He, he went through everything that we did and he still came out on the other side and he went to the cross willingly. And so as he goes, so we should go to our, and carry our crosses daily. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, it's Carrie. Hey, um, Corey asked me to just come and talk to you a little bit about house churches. And um, I know some of you may already be meeting, and um, good job. And if you're not, I just wanted to give a little encouragement. Um, the Jones family, Brandon and Rebecca and Hazel and Ezra, uh, we are meeting with them currently, and we've picked Sunday nights to be our house church time. Sunday nights were when our church started, so we decided that um, Sunday nights just really fit us and was the kind of experience that we were missing um, by our church switching to, to morning service. So I just want to encourage everyone, there was something special on our first night. We just felt um, just really like this was a, a place to commune and to be uh, with each other and to be um, in relationship with more than just ourselves like we'd been in quarantine and I didn't know that I was going to feel such a connection to it until I did it. So I just want to encourage you all to if you're not meeting yet to get engaged and get that done because you're going to find that it's um, it's more than what you could have thought to begin with and I just hope you all will get out there and do it. Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. Yay. No, really, no, thanks. Um, it, it's been very encouraging to hear some of the reports coming back from house churches. Um, and, uh, and I know that you would be one of the ones who really was like, hey, this is something that meant something to me. It was outside of just a small group time. It was something that really meant something to me. Uh, it, hold, it holds a different feel. Feels like, you know, you, it's kind of set up similar to a small group, but it feels different than that. Uh, and that's really what we're going for. While we can't really meet together in person, that's exactly what we're going for, is for folks to be able to continue to commune uh, according to guidelines and according to everything that fits, but to still know that the Spirit is moving in the midst of all that. Um, another way the Spirit was moving uh, was this weekend. I'll be honest with you. Friday, I woke up, rolled over in bed, and I went, I looked at Heather and said, we need to go get breakfast at the food truck. <laughs> uh, and she went, wait a minute, is that today? And I'm like, yeah, that's today. Let's go. And so she's like, that's good. So she got up, she was ready. And I am not a quick get ready guy. So it took me a little while. I want to take a shower. I want to look good. Uh, you know, all that good stuff. Anyway, I want to get ready for the day. You know, so I, um, you know, we got up, we, we finally rolled out of there, rolled over to the food truck, got our breakfast ordered. I uh, was going to stick around and talk for a few minutes, and Heather reminded me, she's like, look, I've got, you know, stuff I've got work to be doing. It's like, okay, so I, you know, we took it back uh, to the house, and she went back to her little office area and started doing her work. And I sat down to eat breakfast and did my quiet time, and if you hadn't read my post yet, I mean, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I laid the food out in front of me. I've got this ham, egg, and cheese, you know, on sourdough. Um, it's not a biscuit because it's a sandwich. I mean, like, it's a sandwich. Um, and it hit me that that meal that was sitting in front of me was five years in the making. Um, it meant the world to me. Uh, it was more than just having a meal sitting there in front of me. This was a, literally watching a vision uh, and, and a dream come true. I was so thankful uh, at that moment for God's faithfulness. I mean, I'd even brought home like a blackberry tea. Like, who knew that would bring such joy? You know, <laughs> to have blackberry tea, to have, uh, you know, literally, um, you know, a sandwich there and to have a bag of chips, which no, for those of you who are like, you have chips for breakfast? No, I waited till lunch. Thank you very much. Um, but it was like, man, 
God has been really, truly faithful to us. And all the highs and the lows, through all the stuff we've been pushing through, through all the things we've always felt called to, this was the vision we've always felt called to, is to create that third space. And uh, it was materializing in front of my eyes, and it was powerful. And what it did for me, sitting there and looking at that meal before digging into the scrumptiousness that it was, um, is it provided hope. At times, it has felt like during this process that, we would never get here. Uh, we've hit one roadblock after another. We have hurdled things. We've gone around things. We've busted some of the hurdles. Uh, we've walked and pushed right through them. Uh, we've broken barricades down. Like literally all of these things that, that we have had to push through, all those hurdles that said you couldn't do this, we've gotten all the way up to the very last one and it felt like it would never happen. And then to see it happen literally within like just a few weeks, it was like this opportunity popped up and then within literally it was like, hey, we're going to get this truck. Hey, the, 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 uh, the owners were so gracious to us and brought it down just a little bit in price to help us out. And then we had workers for it. Drew was at a place where he could, uh, you know, to stop what he was doing and come. And I looked at this and I was so thankful of what God was doing, that he was continuing to be faithful to the vision that we had given us in the beginning, but faithful to the well and faithful to this community. And it provided a lot of hope. Uh, hope for now, hope for the present, hope for the future as we continue to push through and keep getting better because this isn't done. Like just because we have a weekend where we took a trial run uh, doesn't mean that this is done. It doesn't mean that everything's complete. But it does say the first step is here and the dream is real reality and tangible sitting right in front of us. Um, and I feel like right now for me, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but for me, I need a good healthy dose of hope. <laughs> Um, you know, always when I was growing up, I had all these, you know, I always heard pastors around me going, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, that's kind of what you always hear from people all the time, is, and, and specifically from ministers that are like, yeah, the world's nowhere near where it needs to be. And it's really easy to lose sight of hope. It's really easy to lose grip on the things that are good when all we're inundated with is bad. And so uh, I began to pray about what is this uh, what is it that God has been wanting for us to hear over the next several weeks? And as I began to pray, I got really confused because I kept being pointed back to Matthew over and over and over again. And then I went, you know, I'm looking at God and I'm going, but God, uh, you know, we, we walked through Matthew 20,000 feet during Lent of 2019. And then it hit me. When was 2019? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even remember 2019 at this point. 2020 has been so rough, uh, and we've seen so many losses, and we've seen so many changes and so much craziness that honestly, if it really does, I'm not playing when I tell you it feels like a decade ago. And I'm beginning to realize, and when I talk with folks, I'm like, hey, do you remember that we did this? And a lot of times people were like, no. <laughs> and that doesn't hurt my feelings as a pastor. I mean, I know you remember every sermon. But the idea is, like, you know what, we could always hear, we could always hear it again. And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through between now and literally Advent. So don't be overwhelmed and, and, and like, oh my gosh, this is a long time. But we're going to walk from now until Advent, walk back through the Gospel of Matthew. Because when I began to reread it, I began to go, okay, God, why are you pointing me back to Matthew? And I started reading it, and I read it in a different translation. So today, if you have your YouVersion apps, I know you don't, uh, you know, I've got my NIV here, which we really won't be using today. I meant to bring my CEV. We're going to be using the contemporary English version today, uh, and for this entire series. So it's not the message version, but it's a similar concept. The CEV translates by thought and not necessarily by word by word. And so you're going to, it's going to have a little bit of a different feel to it. Um, and it's not the most academic translation ever, so don't get upset with me. But the idea is, when I began to read back through Matthew, I began to see a clear theme pop up. And it was just like the same thing that I felt Friday morning. It's hope. 
that hope for the present and hope for the future resides through that of Jesus Christ completely. Jesus was literally brought here, was given to us to provide salvation and to provide hope. And not only for, you know, 2,000 years ago, but it literally helped to complete a story well before then and is continuing to complete the story all the way through eternity. And I went, oh my gosh, we need this hope. And as I began to watch, as, literally as I was reading, I could find it, you know, it's almost like you could watch it as, as Jesus was walking through the streets and providing hope after hope after hope after hope. And I went, that's what we need right now. So what I want us to do over the next several weeks is I literally want us to reground ourselves. I want us to reground ourselves in Jesus. I want us to reground ourselves in hope and remember that it's Jesus who freely gives all of the hope that we need. It is through Jesus that we know that things are okay. Even if the world is going to the hand, you know, hell in a handbasket around us, it is okay when we are focused wholly and solely through that of Jesus Christ who gives us all that hope for free. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk, we're going to do that. And I'm bringing back, as I try to do this about once a year, we're bringing back coffee talks. So I'm hoping to have somebody here to talk through those chapters that we are going to discuss every single week. I'm going to do my very, very best to have somebody here. And I'm going to ask that you read with us. So this week, I'm going to give us a kind of a jump start. So I'm going to give you a two-chapter start. So we're going to talk through chapters one and two today. Uh, and then we're going to, uh, and at the end of each sermon, I'll tell you what chapters to read for next week. So for next week, it'll be three and four. It won't be two chapters every week because uh, the next one's the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to focus heavily on the sermon, the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount. So that's three chapters, right? So that's uh, five, six, and seven. So we've got a lot coming up. So this one right here today is chapters one and two. So as we get started in Matthew, let me help give us a quick background reminder. When you start a new book, when you literally pull out a book of the Bible and you're like, hey, I'm going to walk my way through this one, I always encourage you to look at it contextually. I will always look at it. Look at the spiritual aspect, of course, that is the number one. But I'm saying don't forget some of the W's of what you're reading. So like, who wrote it, right? When was it written? To whom was it written to? Why, why was it written? And where was it written from? Those things, when you look at authorship and, and timestamps, and locations, and all those things, it helps to shape why some of those things took the shape that they did scripturally, right? So, for instance, with Matthew, when we know and recognize that he's writing this to the Jews, and we know and recognize uh, that specifically to Jewish Christians, but to Jews in general, so that he can show them who the Messiah is, and when you read through Matthew, you'll see everything he does. He doesn't explain Jewish customs. It's like when you get into uh, you know, the book of John, John explains Jewish customs as he says, this was the custom. And oh, by the way, this is what this means. Matthew doesn't do that. You know, he's writing to Jews because they're expected to know the customs. And that helps to put a perspective on why he wrote how he wrote. <coughs> Excuse me. When you begin to realize that he's doing it when he's, when he's writing this, and this is one of the, we're going to jump into this just a second. But when he's writing this, um, he is doing this in such a way that he's, he's tying in all of prophecies from the Old Testament, uh, from the Hebrew Scriptures. He's tying those things in over and over and over again to show the Jewish community this truly is and was and will always be the Messiah. So to know those contexts, uh, to know that context is always a big deal. Uh, so I'm not going to push through that context super heavy right now. We walked through that about a year and a half ago. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, it will be important. But we're going to take a different perspective today, though. And so the perspective will be a, a different enough that I don't want us to push and get caught up in the W's. 
Normally, when I would have you read through Scripture, I would say there are three questions to refer back to as you're reading through it all the time. What does this reveal about the nature of the Trinity? You know, God, Son, Holy Spirit. What does this Scripture reveal about that nature? What does it reveal about the nature of my faith? That's the second question. So in other words, as I see people act and react in their faith, and as I hear Jesus teaching in the faith, what does that teach me about my own faith? And then the third thing is, ultimately, what is the Spirit telling you to do? Those are the normal questions I would tell you from 20,000 feet. But today, and for this series, I'm going to change those first two questions. So if you are doing a house church, I want you to write these down. I want you to get ready for this. Uh, we'll remind you of this a couple more times. But here are the questions to write and to think through and to start your discussions with. These will be the same questions for the discussion all the way through this series. Uh, first one is, what gave you hope in these chapters? As you're reading through the scripture, not, can you number one, can you even see the hope, right? But what really gave you hope in these chapters as you read it? What stands out? What catches your attention? It gives you hope that things are okay, that Jesus is still in control, and that we are still moving forward. The second question is, uh, what surprised you about Jesus's ministry in these chapters? Now, for the first two, obviously, it's not so much about Jesus's ministry. It's about Jesus's birth, right? And so we'll talk about that a little bit. But really, the idea is, what is it that caught you off guard? What is it that surprised you about Jesus' ministry? Because each time that we go and read a gospel, anytime we read anything in the scripture, it's literally a living document. You will get something new out of it each and every single time because the scripture reaches you at different times and different places in different ways because you are different every single day. You are growing. You've had new experiences. You have uh, literally grown as a person, or maybe you've even regressed as a person, and you need to hear what the gospel is telling you that day. And you could read it that day and get one meeting. The next day, you can literally read it and get something completely different to jump out at you. So in other words, so question one, what gave you hope? Question two is what surprised you about Jesus' ministry? And the third one stays the same. What is the Holy Spirit telling you to do with these things? All right, so we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to go ahead and read it, uh, and I'm, I may speed through the names, because <laughs> there's a lot of them, because this is the genealogy chapter. Uh, so let me, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew 1, uh, and let's, uh, let's, this is going to be the contemporary English version. Most of your other versions will sound pretty similar, but, uh, but here we go. So Jesus Christ came from the family of King David and also from the family of Abraham, and this is is a list of his ancestors. Now, I'm going to go ahead and pause for just a moment because literally in the Greek behind this, he is saying this is the genesis. He's literally, Matthew is tying the beginning of his gospel into the beginning of the Torah. This is the beginning of the story of the Messiah. That's what he's saying right here. And a little bit later on when he says, and I'll, I'll point it out, when he says this is the birth, that this is the story of the birth, he uses that same language. This is the genesis. This is the beginning of the life of Jesus, right? So, so here we go. It says, and this is a list of the ancestors. From Abraham to King David, his ancestors were. Now, y'all forgive me when I plow through some of these names, for real. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and his brothers. Judah's sons were Perez and Zerah, and their mother was Tamar, Hezron. Uh, listen, remember that. Pick up how many women you hear in this, uh, in this genealogy. Ram, Amenadab, Nashon, Salmon. Should it be Salmon? Is it Salmon? All right. Boaz, his mother's Rahab. Um, Obed, his mother was Ruth. There's two more females. Uh, Jesse and King David. From David to the time of the exile in Babylonia, the ancestors of Jesus were David, Solomon. His mother had been Uriah's wife. There's another female. Rehoboam, 
uh, Abijah, Asa, uh, <laughs> why? How is it the three-letter one is the one I get tripped up on? Uh, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Ammon, Joseph, uh, and Jehoiachin. If you do good Hebrew, uh, and his brothers, uh, and from the exile of the birth of Jesus, his ancestors were Jehoiachin, uh, Shealtiel, Zerubbabel, <laughs> Abiud, uh, Elikim, Azor, Zadok, and Achim, uh, Eloid, Eleazar. Uh, Methan, Jacob, and Joseph, and the husband of uh, Jacob and Joseph, comma the husband of Mary and the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Uh, and there were fourteen generations from Abraham to David. There were also fourteen from David to the exile in Babylonia. Fourteen to the birth of the Messiah. Verse eighteen. And this is that same verse I was telling you about. This is how Jesus was born. Literally, this is translated as this is the genesis. This is the beginning of the story of Jesus. A young woman named Mary was engaged to Joseph from King David's family, but before they were married, she learned that she was going to have a baby by God's Holy Spirit. Joseph was a good man, and he did not want to embarrass Mary in front of everyone, so he decided to quietly call off the wedding. While Joseph was thinking about this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Again, I love this, and we're not going to talk about this in depth, but I love that you get this parallel again to Genesis of Joseph the dreamer, uh, and then you have Joseph getting dreams here. And I love that. I love that parallel. So the angel said, Joseph, the baby that, uh, that Mary will have is from the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and marry her. And then after her baby is born, name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so the Lord's promise came true. Just as the prophet had said, a virgin will have a baby boy and, she will be, uh, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Um, after Joseph woke up, he and Mary were soon married, and just as the Lord's angel had told him to do. But they did not sleep together before her baby, bore, uh, baby was born. Then Joseph named him Jesus. Y'all, if I can be bold for just a moment, as a former uh, in current youth minister and the brain uh, is still there, would you not love for your sexual history to be plastered onto a gospel for everyone to read for thousands of years? God love them. <laughs> Unreal. Don't you love that stuff? Okay, so here we are. So have you ever wondered why Matthew's gospel comes first? Um, I have often wondered. We don't think about that, right? When you hear the names in the, in the Testaments, like you hear the New Testament, you're like, you know, Pharisees and Sadducees and stuff like that. You never process where those jokers come from. They just kind of always have been. We've always heard them preach. We've always heard them taught, and you don't really process that. Hey, why is it that the, Bible, the books of the Bible are ordered in the way they are? We don't really process that a whole lot. We know that some are the Gospels, and the Gospels seem to be put together, and then all that kind of stuff. Have you ever wondered why Matthew was first? Um, he's first because, for two reasons. Number one, the, the, the New Testament church absolutely loved this Gospel. And they said, man, we, like this one was used a lot in worship by the time it was written. It was used a lot in worship. It was a good, thorough telling of the story of Jesus. The second thing is, uh, it's because it starts with genealogy. And what that did for the Jews is it connected the story of Jesus to the historical Hebrew scriptures that were directly in front of it. This is one of the reasons, the main reason why Matthew ends up first in the gospel. And here's the reason why he starts off with genealogy, which is really, really important. First, he wants to drive future worship readers in worship nuts. Because who wants to stand up and worship and read those names? I'm a minister with a degree 
in ministry, and I barely want to do it myself, right? Like, this is one of the reasons why Matthew did this, was to drive future reader nuts. I'm just kidding. All right. The second, though, is to connect the heritage and the prophecy. He's looking at the genealogy and helping us to understand. And by the way, when he starts talking about these women, which we'll talk about in a moment, almost every one of those women had received a promise from God that you will be remembered for what you have done, which is huge. And you're seeing those connections right there in the genealogy. You're seeing those prophecies uh, come to life. But I think the real reason why he begins with genealogy is to help the Jews in the current context to understand God's not done with us yet. Up to that point, there had been roughly a 400-year gap that they had not heard a new revelation. Were there writings? Yes. And actually, if you look in uh, uh, some Bibles, they'll have what's known as the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha has writings in it that were a lot of those were from that intertestament period, which is one of the reasons why it's placed between the canonical uh, Old Testament and New Testament. These are not considered canonical. They're not part of the official books of the Bible. But those, a lot of those were written and have good history as to what was going on between literally the last, the last revelation and Jesus' coming. You have roughly about 400 years. And if you can imagine after 400 years, we can't go like four weeks without going, I don't feel God, what is going on? And if you can imagine after 400 years, there, some of them were probably like, man, forget this. I don't even know if God's still here anymore. We haven't heard anything new. We haven't had anything changed. In fact, not only have things not changed, they've gotten worse. We've been occupied by everybody who's come walking through our land. So the Greeks had taken them over. The Romans had taken them over. The Egyptians had taken them over. Like, they were like, oh, I mean, God's not with us anymore. And so he's putting this, this genealogy up front to say, yeah, he's here. And look at the hope that that provides of going, God has never left us. I'm connecting the dots to you to let you see that God's been processing this the whole time. God has not walked away from us. And then you have five women in the lineage, four of which are Gentiles, by the way. Uh, most people don't catch that. Four of those five are Gentiles. The fifth one is Mary. Mary has to be Jew because Jesus is Jew. Okay, uh, that's kind of a necessity. And so you're talking about, literally, uh, you're talking about all of those uh, being Gentiles, and they're all questionable when it comes down to sexuality, to be quite honest with you. Their, their sexual history is questionable. Rahab was um, uh, part of the oldest profession, right? So I mean, like, the, the women who are there, and I hate that. That's one of those things you're like, oh, I can't believe it. But here's what it does. When you begin to look at this list, and you begin to realize that these, there are women on there, which women were not highest on the list. In fact, they were really the lowest in the list of importance uh, and value in that, in that time. Literally, if you didn't have children, you were deemed invaluable, like you, or unvaluable, I should say, that you literally did not have any value. Um, but there, there are males, there's females, there's Jews, there's Gentiles, there's royalty, there's religious pillars, and then there's some pretty normal folks. And what that does is that gives hope to all of these categories. And you're looking at women and you're saying, women, you are not uh, you're not disposed of, you're not tossed to the side, you're not uh, discarded or disqualified simply by gender. No, you're important and you're valuable. And let me give you hope for your current self and the future, knowing that Jesus was your king too. Jesus was my king, Jesus was your king, Jesus did not discard you, Jesus actually empowered women all throughout his ministry. He empowered ordinary people, people who thought they were literally tossed to the side. It is full of hope. And when you get to the birth story, 
And you literally look at an angel who looks at him and says, you will name him Jesus. The name itself means God will save. What more hope do we need? (laughs) Is that a Messiah was sent to us to save us? Specifically to bring us salvation. Specifically to literally bring us hope. Um, And I love that everybody's like, why is it? But it says that he'll be called Emmanuel. No, no, he'll be called Emmanuel. He'll be named Jesus But he will be called Emmanuel because literally it's God with us. It is the presence of God in our midst, right here among us. God has not walked away. Even after 400 years of feeling like that God has walked away, which incidentally, take a look at the same way that the Egyptians, I mean the, uh, the, the Hebrew slaves felt too. After 400 years of going, oh my gosh, God has forgotten us. And Matthew's like, nope. God has been right here the entire time. Jesus is literally the fulfillment of all of Israel's calling and all of Israel's hope. How beautiful is that? And not just for Israel, but for us too. That's why we're here. As Gentiles, we are here because of Jesus Christ and the hope that that gives. So let's push through the Matthew 2. Right? So we see the hope that is being given, that literally, that is tied into all the promises, that's tied into the genealogy of the Hebrew Scriptures, the hope that, that all of us, all of us are valuable. Every last one of us are valuable to who it is that, that we are because we have been created in the image of Christ, uh, in the image of God, literally. And Jesus has come to save every last one of us. But then you get Matthew chapter 2. This gets more fun too, so check this out. Oh man, I should have, I should have loaded this up. You can do this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you, technology. It worked this time. Here we go. When Jesus was born in the village of Bethlehem in Judea, Herod was king. During this time, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and said, where is the child born to be the king of the Jews? And he saw, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard about this, he was worried. And so was everyone else in Jerusalem. Herod brought together the chief priests and the teachers of the law of Moses and asked them, where will the Messiah be born? And they told him, he will be born in Bethlehem, just as the prophet wrote. You hear that? Just as the prophet wrote. Get ready for an entire chapter full of prophecy. Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, you are very important. Among the towns of Judah, uh, or of Judea, sorry, from your town will come a leader who will be like a shepherd for my people. And Herod secretly called in the wise men and asked them uh, what they, when they had seen the, first seen the star. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, let me know. I also want to go and worship him. Now, we all know what the future holds. And of course, for us as future readers, we're just like, eyebrow raised. <laughs> like, really? When you start off with secretly, and then you end with, I want to go worship him too. Those two things don't line up very well, right? We're like, it's kind of like sitting in a movie theater. Don't you open that door. Don't you open that door. The wise men listened to what the king said and then left. And the star they had seen in the east went, ahead, uh, went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And they were thrilled and excited to see the star. And when the men went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they knelt down and worshiped him. They took out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and gave them to him. And later they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. And they went back home by another road. 
And after the wise men had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, hurry, and take the child and his mother to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is looking for the child and wants to kill him. And that night Joseph got up. He took his wife and child uh, and the child to Egypt, where he stayed until Herod died. And so the Lord's promise came true, just as the prophet had said, I called my son out of Egypt. And then Herod found out that the wise men from the east had tricked him, and he was very angry. He gave orders for his men to kill all the boys who lived in or near Bethlehem who were two years old and younger. This was based on what he had learned from the wise men. And so the Lord's promise came true. Just as the prophet Jeremiah has said, in Ramah, a voice was heard, crying and weeping loudly. Rachel was mourning for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were dead. And after King Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph while he was still in Egypt. And the angel said, get up and take the child from his mother back to Israel. The people who wanted to kill him are now dead. And Joseph got up and left with them for Israel. But when he heard that Herod's son, Archelaus, uh, was now ruler of Judea, he was afraid to go there. And then in a dream, he was told to go to Galilee. And they went to live there in the town of Nazareth. And so the Lord's promise came true, just as the prophet had said, he will be called a Nazarene. So I want you to catch this. Verse 5, you have a, uh, a prophecy from Micah. That's a, a 700-year-old prophecy. In verse 14, there's a prophecy out of Hosea. That is a 700-plus-year-old prophecy. When you get to the, uh, verse 18, that's Jeremiah 31, 15. That is roughly a 600-year-old prophecy. By the time you get to verse 23, we actually don't even know where this prophecy comes from. <laughs> Uh, this is one that we don't have record of. It doesn't show up in the Old Testament or in the Hebrew Scriptures. It doesn't show up anywhere else. It doesn't show up in another document. But if you look at the pattern, it would not surprise me if it would have been another six to seven year old, uh, six, six to seven hundred year old prophecy. Here's what I'm telling you. Look at the hope that God gives, uh, that Matthew gives, that says of God, He does not forget us. He doesn't forget us. And he doesn't forget his promises. The stuff that he tells us, here's the good news. The stuff that he tells your families, the stuff that he gives you when you're reading God's word and you feel a promise being given to you, the things that you have been told through churches uh, and through circumstances and through friends that you look at and people are like, no, listen, God is not done with you. This is what I feel God has to give you. This is what I feel God is saying to, uh, for me to say to you. Those promises, those things, God does not forget. How much hope is that? God does not forget those things. And then the second one is, if we have Christ, here's another piece of hope out of this. We can make it through anything. Y'all, he had to flee the country. <laughs> this is our Messiah. He had to flee the country. And by the way, go to the country that enslaved his people a few thousand years earlier. <laughs> he took refuge among those who literally had enslaved them. So not only had to leave the country, he had to go into hostile territory. Um, they put a hit out on his life. And they couldn't return home. Even when they came back to go to Judea, he literally was forced to go into Galilee, which is the land of the Gentiles. Y'all, if Jesus before he could speak a word... <laughs> if Jesus before he could really... He, at this point, he would have been, by the time he makes it to Galilee, is toddling around... Y'all, by the time all this happens, he hadn't even begun ministry, hadn't even thought of it, didn't even recognize ministry needed to take place. 
If Jesus had to go through that kind of stuff early on, if that doesn't give us hope that if Jesus can make it through all this and we follow Jesus, uh, we can too. And I want to be real clear, and I want to be very careful, but I want to be very clear when I say this. Let me remind you who put the hit out on him. Y'all, that would have been the government. I know we're in election season, and I know I want to be very careful about when I say stuff like this, but let me be honest with you. If we think the government is here to save us, we are uh, sadly mistaken. Your government is not here to save you. Uh, The current context of where we stand right now, so divided, and literally, again, I know I shouldn't do this, but I just want to go hear the context uh, and the culture where we are. When you go to read comments, and people are automatically name-calling and, and trashing other people's character because they're not Republican or they're not Democrat. Let me tell you, you can put literally the best Republicans in office and it will do nothing for us. You can put the best Democrats in office right now and it would be nothing for us. Do you recognize this? One side will not save us more than the other. The government literally put a hit out, uh, put a hit out on Jesus. Y'all follow me on that. So what I'm saying is, where does our hope come from but it rests fully in that of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It is not in our government. So y'all breathe and chill. I recognize that government gives structure and gives direction and helps to you know, provide some things that we, that we probably desperately need. But they are not our Savior. That's held for Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. The, the, literally, the government that saves us is the kingdom government, not our own. So when you walk through Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, if you can read through it and not feel hope, I'm going to get you to read through it again. I'm going to invite Carrie up because I want us to go through, just want to have a very quick coffee talk. I want us to hear, and I want you to see as house churches, what I want to do is I want to provide for you a time to see how conversations work. Uh, So we're, hey, (laughs) so we're going to have those same questions. If you remember the questions from earlier, they are this. What gave you hope in these chapters? Uh, what surprised you about Jesus' birth story this particular week, but Jesus' ministry most of the time? Uh, and then what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do with these? And I'm going to interject too when we get to uh, what surprised me about Jesus' birth. I'm gonna, I've got a, uh, oh no, no, what gave me hope? I will also have an answer for that too. Because there was a sidebar thing that gave me hope in that. But Carrie, tell me, what is it that gave you hope in Matthew 1 and 2? Well, oh, never mind. Oh, bless the microphones. You may see. Did you get it green? We'll get red. All right, there we go. So, there you are. oh, here we go. Hi. Hey. Um, well, just to take it back to, I hope that y'all um, find a way when you're reading scripture to um, to go deeper, you know, yeah. to not just read it, you know, because sometimes I read it and I'm like, uh, right. Yeah, it's like, a both end. We want to have, we want, that's why I love the 20,000 foot because it's yeah. just deep enough and you get the big story, but don't forget there is deeper meaning too. Yeah. Right. And so, 20,000 is a great way to get us started. And I don't even think it means like, you know, write it down and then repeat it to yourself every yeah, day sure, sure, so sure. that you memorize it. I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's, that's <laughs> perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That is you, good for you. Um, I, I like to journal, so that's how I connect deeper to the scripture. So I read, and then I let it sit, and then I journal about it. So back when I was reading Romans, um, I had the, the 15, Romans 15.4 says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance right. and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so I put together this equation, because I'm so mathy, 
Um, <laughs> That's such a carry thing, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> um, was pain plus encouragement equals hope. Yep. And so nice. if you take that into the context of Matthew 1, where he's giving us the, you know, the rundown, here's, here's the genealogy yeah. of, you know, and, and as you spoke to, you know, he's writing this, Jesus has passed, Jesus has gone, he ascended into heaven. We don't even have somewhere to go and say, oh, we worship you. I mean, that was very right. common in the Jewish, right? That's why they had the, they had the tomb, right? Because right. they were going to go, that would be their place. They would go back and. Yeah, um, Temple Mount, all that area right there. Exactly. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think about it and I think, well, that had to be really hard. That had to be a struggle. You know, where, how can I connect? How can I connect to this? Right. And through their journaling, through their writing, through yeah. their coming, um, you know, together, together in, in these people who were with Jesus and knew that he was the son of God, you know, like, how do we know that? What do we know about that? And then writing it down and then saying, yeah, all these times weren't great times, but right. guess what? The prophets were right. That's right. Um, yes. So that gives me hope because, again, through pain and, and their encouragement, which is the scripture. So yes. someday I hope that my journal becomes, you know, encouragement for my own children, for yeah. my own family. That, I mean, I, I would have loved to have been able to have that from my previous ancestors, yeah. to have something that was written and that I could find. Um, so you're seeing it as, as literally as faith being passed down. Yeah. The hope is with the pain yes. plus the encouragement. Literally, those two things of all of the past and all of the struggles, the encouragement is that the faith is still yours. Yes. And the faith is still there and God is still there. And then for the scripture that, like, where you called out that we don't actually even know where this came yeah. from, where he was a Nazarene, he will be called a Nazarene. In my small group, um, you know, that had, that had hit me before. And I had asked my small group, what do you, what painful thing do you ascribe to yourself that other people will say, oh, she's a this, oh, or yeah. she's a that. And I, and what do we yeah, take around with us? And we go, yeah, I'm a this. And then, right. If y'all remember during the label section, it was uh, oh, Jesus is from Nazareth. Yeah, <laughs> it comes out of Nazareth, right? And <laughs> and if you think about that, when we think of it now, and we say Jesus of Nazareth, I mean, as a kid, I always thought, oh, that's so great. He was from Nazareth, and yeah. not understanding that that is not how people felt right. about him at all. They felt. were like, he's from Nazareth. From Nazareth. <laughs> and so, if you think about it, like every circumstance that you have been in that you would walk around and you'd carry that weight of I'm this now, or I'm that now. I mean, right. you don't have to because Jesus changes it all. Absolutely. All those people of Nazareth. That's good. Now they're Nazarenes. And guess what? We can be proud. That's awesome. We can be super proud. So, uh, I'll tell you the, the piece that gave me hope was, uh, was Joseph. Yeah. Um, because Joseph obeyed. So Joseph had every reason and intention. He could have, he could have yeah. literally, and I know that this would have come. Part. That's the surprise part. Uh, so <laughs> should, I, should I not steal your thunder? Um, you know, Joseph could have thrown Mary under the bus. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't have known what a bus was, but if he did, he'd have thrown her right under it. He could have. He wanted yeah. to initially, but he, yeah. you could tell he's doing it quietly. So there's this, there's this level of respect and honor that he holds. Yeah. But the things that that got me most about Joseph is he just obeys. Yeah. Now as a pastor. My little heart goes pitter-patter. I'm like, yeah. People get an experience of God and they obey it. And I'm like, ooh, and I had to convince them that this is God. This is good. This yeah. is good. Like, you know, that, that made my little pastor heart go pitter-patter. Yeah. Um, but I love that, that there was an obedience to it. And everything, when he obeyed, it laid out exactly mm -hmm. as he was told. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and there's th- so there is a blindness mm-hmm. to the obedience that he did. For not all, not even recognize. He's saying, "I'm told this is how it's going to go, but I'm not guaranteed." For all you children out there, <laughs> understand right, right. that there's a greater understanding That's that right. you just can't get right now. But the obedience exactly will right. be great for you. <laughs> I love it. So, what surprised you? What surprised you about Jesus? So, you know, or his birth story. You say. said earlier um, when you were talking about you know our our being in. Um, just a place of, of maybe even rescinding our faith, our faith, our faith, you know, starts to shrink away right. is, um, you know, when things happen to us, we can often feel like, oh, you know, just an absolute hit to our faith. And what does, yeah. what do I think about it? I was watching a documentary. <laughs> Shocker. I know. <laughs> so surprising. Y'all go ahead. Try to text Carrie and find out what documentary she has not watched on Netflix. Go ahead. Not right now. There's probably, <laughs> well, there's some that I won't watch, but anyway. Um, but I was watching a documentary, and, and you know, they were, this guy was talking about all these things that were happening to him, and he was talking about how most of the people that he worked with, they were all Christians. But, you know, when this stuff keeps happening to you, you're like, what the heck? You know, yeah. where is God, and why is this happening? Why are these bad things happening? Right. And so, you know, here's, here's Joseph. He's, you know, betrothed to this woman, and they are to be married and they're they're doing all the steps he's he's already you know people they described him matthew described him he's a good guy you know he's a stand-up guy Hmm. and then she's pregnant (laughs) and (laughs) when when we have think about it in current day context let's say that that happened to you you were walking down the street you see your your um betrothed with somebody else or yeah. something you know you could go over there and just have or you could figure out what happened right you could you could try to to cling social to media your, shame them right yeah <laughs> well you could cling to your faith well thankfully I've there was thought, no twitter back right then. i've always thought if mary was on twitter Man, she would have been destroyed. She would have been. She would have been absolutely alive. There would have been no God in any of this. <laughs> People but. would have literally gone, oh, you're pregnant, are you? And pulled her profile up and gone and dogged her for her age, yeah. dogged her for being pregnant before yeah. Mary, dogged her for like all this stuff, yeah. and never would believe her story. No. So like if she were on social media, it would be bad. And that <laughs> was the surprising thing for me was that how did, how did Joseph, he gets it. I'm sorry. Y'all have probably had dreams, right? You've had dreams before, and there's been a dream that said, you know, you should do this. And you're like, eh, yeah, I woke up and <laughs> life wasn't like that. So I just went on yeah. about my way. And he, he says, oh, that was real. Yep. Oh, that, that makes sense to me. So it just, it speaks to me about how, how in depth his faith had to be. Yeah, and that was such a surprise. And at every turn, yeah. he's not, He's not daunted. He's just waiting on the dream. What's he's that? waiting on the he's waiting on the um the, the angel or the revelation, some, the to, revelation come. Yep. to come. And I'm like, And Man. he does it more than once. He does it like several times. Yeah. This is not something that Joseph just kind of goes, Oh, that was cool, and then just leaves it at that. Like every single time he hits that crossroad, he gets that dream and he's like, I'm following that. And you know, there had to have been so many retellings of this for Matthew to know it, for for Jesus to have been able to tell that. I mean, like th- this is something his dad has probably walked them through that he yeah. has talked to th- about. I mean, so it's really important that we have those stories That's that right. we share those with our our children and with our friends and our family. That you know, hey, this might surprise you, but I did this out of my faith or right. whatever. And so it's just it's 
I just love it. Yeah. So what do you think? What is the third question is, what is the spirit telling you from all this? What do you gather from this? The spirit is saying, okay, I want you to now follow through with these. This, these things or this thing? Yeah, I just like eloquently, because I'm a woman of few words. You can't say that to me on live camera. <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing at me. Sorry. Y'all? I'm sorry, y'all. So true. <laughs> um, increase my faith. Yeah. Just um, what is the Holy Spirit telling me is that I've just got to increase my faith. You know, I Time. think we, you and I were on the phone the other day, and I talk about how you know, sometimes we just don't feel connected, you right. know, and we're right. in new, we're in new ground and we can, sometimes new ground can be really exciting. And you're like, let's talk about, you know, us in our first few years. So exciting. Yep. We're pushing forward this vision. Da, 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 da. Our faith is huge. Right. right? People are coming to Christ. We're Baptisms just, are happening. Church is growing. I mean, no food yet. I mean, there were there were <laughs> rainbows and unicorns outside right. the door. I mean, Absolutely. it was waiting to come in. It was just like, ah, oh, this is so great. And then there's there's a pause. Yeah. You know, and then there's a valley. Yeah. And then there's some darkness. And yeah. then there's like, <laughs> what what has happened? You know, yeah. and um, yeah, it's just it's just like you have to think that God is still in it and. How can I turn the light back on? Yep. You know, how can I bring him back in? How can, how can, um, so I can literally just be faithful. How, how can, can I be faithful? Yeah. What am I doing that is going to be pleasing to yep. God? What is That's the good. obedience that I need to have? God, yeah. And so, yeah. So just increasing my faith, just Amen. saying it as simple as, you know, like I said, back in here and I do these little, little drawings and stuff, but yep. pain plus encouragement equals, equals hope. So just re- recognizing when you're feeling that pain, go to the scripture. You'll find encouragement. Go to your community. You'll find encouragement and, and the hope of Jesus. That's awesome. This is literally the gospel of Matthew. Gospel literally means uh, good news. And in Matthew 1 and 2, we've seen the good news is that God is with us. God has not abandoned us. Um, that he's been with us the whole time. Even when we don't see it and we don't feel it, God is still working behind the scenes, still doing it doesn't forget his promises, and he's absolutely going to remember every promise and be there salvation-wise for everyone. That is for all the ordinary folks. That is for the, uh, the non-ordinary folks. That is for blacks. That's for whites. That's for Hispanics. That's for males. That's for females. It's for everybody. And the good news is that Jesus saved us. There it is. Like, that's it. Jesus saved us from all of our sins, from the terrible stuff that we've done, the awful decisions that we make. And Jesus is like, let me help you back that out. Uh, And let's get you in the right spot. Let's put you in the right place. And that he even lived among us. If that doesn't offer more hope for us, is that he did not ignore the pain and the suffering that we face every single day. The hope is Jesus literally came and lived among us, walked the hope, walked the suffering, walked the frustration, and still came out on the other side. And if Christ can make it through all of that, we can too, through that of Jesus Christ. So what I want to leave you with this is this. Let me try all that again. What I want to leave you with is this. <laughs> you think I do this for a living. <laughs> um, what hope are you spreading? What hope are you spreading? Are you being Christ in everything that you say and do? Are you being Christ to everyone you encounter? And everyone you encounter online? Or are you contributing to the division of hatred 
uh, that we are seeing so prevalent right now. Are you being Christ or are you causing division? So host, uh, so house churches, let me, let me remind you of your questions. Uh, what gave you hope in these chapters? What surprised you about Jesus? And really this time it's about the birth story of Jesus. And what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do with these? Next week we'll do Matthew chapter 3 and chapter 4. Carrie, thank you for your time. Um, I want us to, uh, to spend just a quick time, uh, let me just remind you, if you're going, hey, uh, I don't have a, a house church right now, hey, um, you can do that. Um, we have folks who have already begun home church or like house churches. We've had some that have started and kind of sputtered. We've had some that have started and are going well. Uh, and we've had some that keep saying, we're going to start this week. And they keep pushing it off. So it just happens and it's all good. You can literally call the church right now. And if I cannot for the life of me remember our church's number, it's on the order behind me. That is it. Not, that's not that number. Uh, the church phone number is... Uh, 662-205 and four random digits that I cannot remember. But it is on there. Let me see. Hang on. I know I've got this for a second. I should have had this done. At the very bottom. You know what? I wrote this on here in anticipation. And Lord Almighty, I just out-tricked myself. Okay. 662-205-0323. Text us. Call us. We will help you find one. The benediction today is Matthew 12, uh, verse 21. In, the, in his name, the nations will put their hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go and be hope this week. Uh, amen.